What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the I'm Getting There podcast. It's your host, Michael Booth, and today I am here with first-time guest on the show, comedian, podcaster, and show producer of his first comedy show at the Dominica Winery on June 15th in San Carlos, California. It is Chris Beasley, dude. It was fun to have Chris on the show. We, we talk about, uh, we almost actually did this a while ago, um, so it was fun to talk about then until now and just uh, you know him moving from Dallas to San Francisco, what that was like, um, his... Uh, just you know, g- getting a camera, investing in that, and then just the the process of of, of you know uh, watching yourself back, and you know things you focus on, and 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 I'm just just curious to hear about you know everybody's process uh, with things like that. And so I also talk about his podcast, Imperfect Allies, which you can follow on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. And uh, his show um, is on June 15th, I think I said at uh dominico winery in san carlos so go check that out if you're in that area that day and uh, if you can also do me a favor follow the podcast on instagram uh at i'm getting there pod uh all one word and i will make sure to tag chris when i drop the episode and if you can do me a favor hit the link in the bio and subscribe to the podcast apple podcast spotify i think there's a bunch more uh there that you can go subscribe to uh it's pretty searchable too i'm getting there i think i'm the only thing that pops up when you type that in uh so and if you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify, please rate the podcast, leave a review. Um, I appreciate all you guys that have done that so far, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode with us. say is i think that we almost did this podcast like two years ago mm-hmm. at the parking lot show in santa cruz yeah i it was like the first time i met you i think and i think you were mentioning that you had just moved from texas to uh to california and uh and i think my my laptop died or something and so we didn't get a record but uh i i was like thinking about that today i was like I thought I thought we almost did this one time, wait, like right, right, like in the parking lot show, like I remember the driving, yeah, because <laughs> you were interviewing several people on that show, right? I was trying to, yeah. So I I, <laughs> I ended up like bringing my equipment like four times and only ended up getting to record with like one or two people before my stuff died. It only lasted for like this laptop's pretty old, so if it's not plugged in, it dies in like thirty minutes, and so like uh, yeah, I was just like I yeah, I just kept kept trying to but um since then though dude like i remember meeting you and you saying you just moved but since then it's been cool to watch like you're just kind of like evolution of like uh integrating into the bay area scene it's like it was it was just cool to meet you then you know because it felt like you were like kind of like still getting to know people and then like just yeah to, like now to kind of do the podcast now it's like pretty cool that time in between you know definitely and thank you for connecting the dots on that because i do remember that and i was so you know like disoriented i didn't know what santa cruz was it'd been maybe my second time down there we're in a parking structure yeah <laughs> the roof of a parking garage and yeah looking back it's like now i i do feel like this scene is home right and it's uh the scene i spent the most time in now and mm-hmm. um it's just really cool i i've enjoyed the, the little growth and progress i've had here and i love it man it's awesome yeah i was scrolling through your 
just going through your Instagram kind of going from then until now. And it's just like the, you've seen like you're working and then also just the amount of clips and stuff that you've been putting out too lately has been, has been really awesome to see. Like, uh, is that, is that like something that you, when, is that like something you like I wanted to do from the get or is it like you kind of were, cause I feel like I kind of seeing other people do it too. I kind of feel like myself even like, oh, I should be putting more of my, I should be putting more of my stuff online, you know, trying to like get more reels or TikToks out there. Yeah. Well, you know, the fear of missing out, like watching what happened during the pandemic and people just pop, man, like just taking off. And I wasn't in a place where I could be posting videos during the pandemic because I was struggling, <laughs> moving to a brand new place in the world being shut down. Like I knew nothing. Um, but so then seeing everyone use that opportunity, um, I, I just thought, man, I got to take it serious. So I invested in a camera that would make me feel like I was wasting the camera if I didn't film. Does that make sense? Yes. You're like, I'm going to put enough into this where I have to use it. Like I can't, there's no excuse. Exactly. Because like, <laughs> if you have a, yeah, especially if you bring it with you, you're like, how, if I don't set this up, if I just let it sit in my bag, like I'm, I'm what do I do? It? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that helped, uh, that, that helped me be more consistent because I just bring it to every show. And then it was, just trusting that whatever I throw out there will be decent enough. Cause at first I was judging, Oh, it has to be the best clip. You know, it needs to go viral immediately. And uh, once you realize that it's all kind of ephemeral, it comes, it goes, just throw it up there and, and try and be consistent. And I, I'll, I'll miss my, my scheduled postings um, sometimes, but just doing it even helps my like being new to the Bay. Like people know me because they've seen the clip. It's like, Oh, cool. I haven't met you yet. But I appreciate that you've seen that. That's actually mm-hmm. really awesome. And it's it's like a good way to just, you know, keep people engaged in coming back to your your Instagram page. Like yeah. you know, just speaking of like posting regularly, like I noticed with, with the podcast, like every week I try to have like clips from the episode, you know, and try to like make sure to have like, you know, like break it down into like stuff that at least if people don't listen, they see like, you know, they can see that part of it. You know what I mean? And they see you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And like people will reference stuff like at mics, they'll be like, Oh, I saw the clip. And like, I know that at least a lot of like, that's where most of the people are going for, for what, for this project, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, I, to your point, like, I definitely understand like it's having like a schedule and trying to remain consistent. Like you do start to, you know, you do start to build at least what you hope is like, um, like people watching and engaging, you know? Yeah. And it's so hard, especially in our field of entertainment comedy. It's so broad and there's no clear path or direction in any means. So it's like whatever you can do to just grab onto something so you don't lose your mind and judge yourself based on what everyone else is doing. Like, okay, at least I know I posted the two times I wanted to post this week. But all right, that's that was it. Success. Keep yeah, going. and I you know, like you know, props to guys like yourself posting clips like that because it does, you know, you are putting yourself in a position where you do have to write way more and you do have to like, you know, you are like thinking a lot more and trying to have newer material every, you know, every week or month or what you know, like at a faster rate than <laughs> You know, somebody that, you know, somebody that's kind of maybe holding on to like a joke or a bit and trying to like not, I mean, because you can still maybe like, do you, do you still like kind of work that material that you do and put on those uh, reels? Like, do you still do those bits at shows? 
Or yeah. you kind of just like, once it's up there, you're kind of like, no, I can't. So I, what I noticed, two things that have come from, from shooting the clips. One, it's allowed me to notice opportunities for crowd work and sit in them longer because, you know, unless I'm doing a showcase set or something that is at the punchline or something like that, where that moment is very important, I have the freedom to play. So knowing, oh, I need to get a clip anyways, if an audience member says something, I will be more comfortable trying to play in that world because that's not, mm-hmm. that's not my, that's not my, um, my bit. Right. So mm-hmm. I can post that anytime and it'll be way easier. So it's allowed me to look for opportunities while on stage to just have fun. Um, but I also took a different approach and said, you know what, let me put these jokes up when they're brand new because they'll get better. And if someone ah. finds them funny now, the next time they hear them on stage, like You'll at a show, more. Yep, there'll be so many uh, more tags. It'll be okay. it'll be way uh, more built out and fleshed out mm. that they're like, oh my god, this is even better than what I saw online. Because mm. um, that is always the fear: is someone hears your joke and they hear your best stuff already, and then they come see you and they're like, oh, that's all they it's have. It's just a replay <laughs> of what they want. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm always kind of worried about. Like doing shows like in in Santa Cruz and like around the different, you know, I'm trying to like not like have different stuff, especially at the mics. Like I feel like it's such a that's something that a couple of people have mentioned on this podcast and something that I've tried to take away from, you know, people like yourself that come on and talk about stuff like this is that open mics are for like you shouldn't just be going to open mic and doing the material that you like know works. No. And like I I like. I've been guilty of that, you know, before. And like, I really try to focus on like, okay, like you have to have something new tonight. Like when, cause you're going to open mic, like you're not, this isn't a yeah. showcase, you know, like it show, like if you're going to a show out of town where people haven't seen you, you know, like, and they've never seen you, like you, I feel way more comfortable. Like, okay, I can do the material that I know works here, but yeah, like trying to have something new, trying to like, like you said, trying to have fun. Like that's a great like point of view. <laughs> what you mentioned earlier like with crowd work and stuff like while you're filming yourself because it's like that pressure of like the pressure of like not you're like taking a chance it's like you're you're like coin flipping for the for the bit or for the like clip you know yeah like it's a way better way to think about it as opposed to like freezing like oh shit like like what do i do you know (laughs) yeah and and trying to even make it the best moment ever uh, mm-hmm. Cause that's what happens on stage. We're like, we have to be funny. Uh, but, but one thing I noticed was I filmed the set. Uh, someone said something. And then when I'm watching it, like making clips, I think, Oh my God, I should have played with that longer. So then the next time I'm on stage, I play with it a little longer. Then I go back, watch the clip. It's like, Oh, I need to stay in it even longer. And so it's, it's, it's really just like watching film, you know, you're mm-hmm. getting that feedback and it, time feels so different on stage than it does when you actually look at the clip. And so um, allowing you to take more time and just relax up there and have fun, like I said, uh, it comes from just watching clips and thinking I could have done that better. And that's basically what's happening. Every time I watch a clip, I notice a tag I could have said um, or or we've seen this, right? People aren't super unique. You'll have a situation that will happen again. And if you watched your clip and thought, oh, I should have said this. Well, when that comes up again, it's perfect crowd work joke. Right, you're kind of locked. You have like a, you kind of have like almost like a bag of tricks or like a just yeah. you've built up like these you know these stereotype or scenarios in your in your repertoire, I guess, to have to draw from. That's 
That's a yeah, that's cool cuz yeah, like you said like a relation like with relationship stuff, you know, there's like there's always there's always like the standard like oh, how long you guys been together, you know, a lot of stuff, but I'm sure you've really found some like unique for things for yourself to yeah. like to like go to. Do you uh do you pay attention something that Zach Lord said when we we were talking about this similar thing is that he mentioned how much he watches his facial expressions and like his the way that he like moves and like how he like gestures during punchlines. Is that something that you've like kind of watched with yourself? I kind of watch that with myself too. Like I notice I move a certain way when I'm start, when I get nervous or kind of like uh, something that I do too, is I walk, I kind of step back sometimes too. I've been trying to not to do that. I'm trying to step yeah. forward and like step, you know, to the audience more, like stand there more. Yeah. There's so many body language components that it, it's really easy to get, um, overwhelmed with how many different areas there are. Like Zach Lord is a perfect example of someone that is intentional. You can see it when he's on stage. He's intentionally doing his eyebrows at a certain time. It's like, yeah. oh, wow. <laughs> and so when I, when I first saw Zach for the first time, I was pretty sure that was intentional, but I was, you know, I had to talk to him about it. But it, it, it's such a level of detail that I, I'm striving to get to that level. But where I first started was, like you just said, I am so close to the audience when I'm on stage. And it's almost, I did that on purpose at the beginning because I think it communicates that I'm not afraid of the audience, right? If you're way back on the stage, that body language might say, hey, I'm reserved, I'm back here. It doesn't mean that because different comics uh, do different things. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. Um, different <laughs> comics do different things. I got to keep up with, with sports, even though- uh, <laughs> no, you're good, dude. But yes, so I always try and be as close to the edge of the stage as possible so I can be right there with the audience. Um, And then I also work on just having high energy. But the next step is noticing how I need to, what emotion I need to convey for certain jokes. Um, I have some very, I'm I'm pretty edgy, but you don't see it coming because it's really playful. Mm -hmm. Um, And I walk a thin line where one show I'll do it one way and another show I'll do it completely different just to see what results come back. Um, The jokes written are already funny, but I'm curious which emotion makes it funnier. And so I'll either smile at a punchline that's really messed up, or I'll do it just straight face or a term is called mugging where you keep the emotion of the, how you felt at the time that the joke was written, like the character. So I might mug for a little bit. Um, And I just, I'm not as diligent as Zach, but I, I, I like to experiment and then just see what happens. I mean, it's breaking past that, like uh, breaking past that, like level of being afraid of the reaction mm. is it can be like, I, I still feel like I'm battling with it sometimes, but it can be so rewarding when you really want to try an idea, like what you're talking about right now and you just go for it. And if it works, it's like, Fuck yeah, you know, but it, also if it fails, you're like, okay, like that's like being able to take that feedback and look at it so like detailed. Yeah. I think you have to have like pretty, you have to like not, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of, it's brutal sometimes, honestly, like to, to watch yourself back, like, it, and it can be kind of grueling, but like that work is like, it's definitely worth it. And then like the, you can obviously see, you know, with like the amount, like the material you've been doing and everything you can see, you know, like you're paying attention and like, it's definitely like paying off and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty painful. I mean, just, especially when you know a joke's supposed to get a laugh and it doesn't. And I often 
tried not to get too invested in, okay, now I need to make them laugh. But once you, once you take every set as just feedback and not affirmation, <laughs> then it's a lot healthier, I think, of a progress because it's just like, oh, okay, that joke worked when I did it this way or that joke did not work today. I wonder what I said or how I delivered it. And I'll just go back and watch that. Um, and then I watch it at two times speed sometimes if I need to like not hear <laughs> silence. <laughs> Let's play this fast. Let's get yeah. over this. That's Let's get funny. to the part I need. I do that yeah. when I edit this podcast back because man, listening to yourself listening to yourself <laughs> talk with somebody else for an hour, especially somebody that you haven't really had a conversation with. Oh my god. Sometimes I'm just like Oh, like I'm <laughs> like, it's I'm glad rough. that I, I'm glad people are listening to this, like, so I continue to do it, but like, shit, like, so I'm like, it's made me, it's made me really think about like my just speaking and, and, and it's helped me with, it's helped me with stand up and it's helped me with just talking to people in general, like out in that mics, like yeah. trying to, it's made me way more comfortable. I feel like, cause I've, I was not like a, I was not like a, before the pandemic, like I was not. I was really shy at, at mm. mics and I, I still am. And I, I kind of sit back and, and, um, until like somebody will come up and talk to me or something, or until I, maybe if I had a beer or something, I might loosen up a little bit. <laughs> that but, helps. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, like when you came to the, I'm curious, like, cause before the, like you moved from Texas, when did you like actually, when did you move to California? Like when was the, is it in 2020? Yeah. So my first day here, I arrived at Oakland airport on March 13th okay. and um, wow. I had so a, it was like, <laughs> it was right. Damn, right. The timing is like, wow. So bad. Uh, you couldn't have picked a worse time. So I, I flew in, I had like a little, you know, one of them thin paper masks and not, not everyone, there was no mask mandate or anything, but I, I knew, you know, you knew of, you've heard of COVID and everything. So land, don't know what to expect. And I I quit my job, right? I had to leave everything. So don't know anyone in the Bay except for my wife because I moved with my wife. And um, next thing you know, we're in our apartment setting it up. And then pandemic, quarantine, everything shut down. And that's, and that's where down. you are. And, and then that's so where I'm you live. <laughs> like... For the rest of my life, I have no, I have no clue how long this is going to last. I'm in this apartment that I just <sighs> moved in. I don't know anything. Out. I don't know where the nearest McDonald's is. I don't know where grocery stores. Yeah, wow, nothing. nothing. And I'm just a, I'm just trying to figure it out, and uh, it was it was painful, man. It was a so long even, year. It's that's so wild because you just didn't even get to experience like, oh, like what it was like, you know, getting to like you just everything you know is like about this place is based around the yeah about the, the pandemic. pandemic. That's so interesting. Uh, also too, I want to ask like how many people have like, this is probably such a question you get asked all the time. Like you moved from Texas, California, like so many people did the opposite. Yeah. You know, like, I, like I'm sure you get asked that a bunch or like asked, like, does it, does it suck there now or something? Like, I'm sure people are like, maybe like, like also like the comedy scene there now is like, it's growing. Like it was, did you, were you like a part of that over there before you moved here? Yeah. Or, so I would. I would say in uh, Dallas is where I started. I would have been what you consider an open micer. I just started getting booked. So it's, you know, timing is, you can feel like it's the worst timing, but I think it was very helpful in the end. But for the first time I had gotten um, my first booking at the improv 
the month, it was going to be March 20th, but pandemic canceled that. So I got into the improv. I got into one of the comedy clubs, Hyenas. And so I, I went from open micer to getting booked a little bit and then everything shut down. Um, but the scene has exploded because uh, one, everyone like Joe Rogan, things like that are moving to Texas. So then Texas in general is growing in its comedy base. Um, but then I think two more clubs popped up. Um, so many more independent shows. It's mm-hmm. just, it's thriving there. Well, and there's like several people from here that were a part of this scene here that are now in that scene. Yeah. Too. And they seem to be doing seem to be doing great and doing a bunch of shows and stuff and yeah it's just i just i thought that was interesting you know when we were when we were talking and not with one of the things i definitely wanted to bring up earlier was like a fit it's got to feel weird to have it's just such an interesting journey through the pandemic to have moved away from texas to here mm-hmm. you're in all you know about you're immediately just in your apartment it, everything's locked locked down shut down and then as that two year goes like the comedy scene from where you kind of left is just like you're watching this like, you know, thing expand. You're like, Oh, it's so awesome. And then also just, you know, getting to know in this open up here and you get to like, get to see what this was kind of like before, you know, the, that's just, that's just a very interesting two years to have to go through. I imagine it's like wild, wild two years for sure. (laughs) And, you know, I think a lot of people that are moving to Texas is for financial reasons and opportunities. And technically, that's the same reason we moved here, because my wife works for Apple, so she had more opportunities here. So, you know, we kind of moved for the same reasons. And this is a, the Bay Area is, has more comedy history, right? And so um, there's a lot of talent here. So I felt like there was a lot of opportunity to move. If we're going to go anywhere, I felt like the Bay was a good spot. Um, it just the pandemic is what made it really difficult. And I joke about this all the time. But my best friend that I made here was my maintenance guy, because he was the only person I could see. And he was dependable. <laughs> Anytime I needed him, I could just say, oh, man, the microwave isn't working. I mean, it worked just fine. But I just needed to put in a request. <laughs> And then we would just shoot the shift for two hours. And he's like, I think I got to go back to work. It's like, oh, okay, that's fair. <laughs> like, go go do what you're supposed to do. Sorry, I wasted your time. <laughs> just had no one else to talk to, man. So That is, yeah, during the, I remember like the, the first like four or five months, maybe even like six months of it. It was just, I was still having to go to work. And I remember like the people I saw at work were the only people that I would see. Mm, yeah at all and so like i got i just got to know my coworkers. we all got to know each other a lot more and like i feel like through that we all like became like it like the became like tighter group and like we're you know for sure like we are, have done a lot of cool things and stuff and it's like yeah like just the people that in your in your vicinity you know like mike xander had something funny on here he mentioned like it was like kind of like that sprint family plan like that, that was like like you had like five, five people, people, you know, like who's yeah. your five? Like there was definitely like certain people I would like have like come hang out. Like it, it was kind of like it's you know we'd come and yeah they'd come over and we'd be like all right we can't post that we're like you know we're, together we're just gonna, yeah we're gonna, <laughs> nobody was posting on social so they were like hanging out with people but we were all you know it was yeah it was an interesting time that first like like for at least, yeah it felt like the first six months I'd say and like maybe I don't know the things now i mean even now i've been seeing like stuff kind of there's been like cases rising and stuff like there's some Mm -hmm. some areas Mm -hmm. that are kind of uh masking and and if 
I don't know. It feels feels weird to just like the more waves we see. That's like the I feel like the more jaded people are becoming. Like just in yeah. general. <laughs> that's how that's, it is, man. With anything, mm-hmm. you know, you 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 do anything consistently, it starts to feel less valuable. It's like, oh, it's the same old, same old. And we've we've seen so many variants that we're getting just kind of lethargic. Like, okay, I'm over it. Uh, but but I I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure where we're heading next, but I think one thing that I'm grateful for from it is just how important I realized comedy was like, Oh, I need to do this. Like there's no, this isn't a hobby. This is like life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think what also helped me come out of the pandemic so eager and driven because being locked up in being locked up, being <laughs> being trapped in my apartment for a year where I actually don't have a sense of community or or like knowledge outside of it. The moment the scene opened, man, I just was out there. Uh, I was just joking with who was it? Uh, I think it was Chris Posada. So the first mic I went to was Swinging Door, and I'm just sitting there with my wife. And Iman uh, roasts me because he's like, oh, look, we have uh, we have guests. And, you know, he he, he roasts everybody. And uh, then next thing you know, my name was on the list. And everyone's like, oh, shit, who is this? And from that moment, I was like at every mic all over the place, driving to Santa Cruz. I didn't care where it was. Oh, uh, yeah. I was just going to get up and get out there because it was better than my apartment for sure. <laughs> I feel that, man. Like, what are, like, what are some of the... Um, so were you, were, did you, did you do zoom at all too? Like where you, where oh, you try to do zoom or I tried to, I tried, uh, the pain I felt doing it. It's like, I don't think this is the type of comedy I'm trying to do. This is too painful. I did two <laughs> zoom shows throughout the pandemic, only two. Cause the first one was before people knew to unmike themselves. And I was like, I'm not coming back until they figure this out. This is not, this is not going to work. I don't want to read. <laughs> like, that's not how comedy works. <laughs> it's like, oh, did, and then they're, they're so far behind, I think, because I have some jokes that are pretty outlandish that people don't believe are true. And so I'll say that joke that is pretty outlandish. Then, you know, 30, 40 seconds later, someone's like, he's lying, he capping. And so now I'm just reading in the comments. This fool's full lying, uh, bullshit. He don't know what he's talking about. It's like, that. this is the worst heckling I've ever done. Like, <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this? I can't imagine doing comedy with just a live chat. Like, that sounds like a... It, sounds like... <laughs> it was horrible. I was like, I'm done. I'm not coming back. Because I wanted to fire back, you know, but I'm still mm-hmm. doing my set. And technically, I've already passed it. It's just delayed. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's funny. I mean, I, I I try to ask everybody about Zoom because I feel like there's a there's a positive opinion out there about it, but I haven't managed to find one yet. I mean, okay, here we go. Here's the positive. It's, it's uh, like the the actual experience for a comedic purpose worthless, but <laughs> networking. I met people in different states. Uh, doing comedy that was it that's awesome yeah it does they've seen some like people from the east coast like hopping on shows um here and stuff like that and like people from or like shows based out of other places that i've seen like comics from the bay even you know like doing jumping on yeah cool like uh yeah it's gotta be it's just a different you know different group it's like it's like going to you know just like a divey open mic or anything like a new audience you know that you've never been yeah. to 
You're like, I wonder what they, th- wonder what they think of this. Uh, I, uh, I wanted to ask you about your show that you are, you're producing, right? This, yeah. It, um, is this, uh, is it going to be like a monthly or, or are you doing like yeah. a weekly thing or the, right now, since this is the first show I've ever produced, um, doing monthly, trying to just, you know, figure out the ins and outs of it. Uh, it's at a winery in San Carlos, which is on the peninsula. And okay. um, uh, the owners, I have a really good vibe with them. So I'm, you know, figured, hey, this is a good place to start since I got a good relationship here. And just want to see how I can make sure comics are getting taken care of and paid what they're worth. And at the same time, the venue's getting whatever they demand, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, find that sweet spot. But I'm excited, nervous, but excited. Hell yeah, dude. That sounds like fun. Like I imagine a wine, like the audience at like a winery show has got to be definitely a, a unique and different experience than some of, you know, like the other places that we <laughs> go to like oh, Mike's yeah. shows at. Um, it's probably going to be like, uh, you know, uh, like just a lot nicer of a, of an environment. I imagine it's uh, like, a, and with the, is did they have like the equipment or were is that something that you were also like had to kind of because I know when I started doing my show the first thing I was like oh wow like yeah, there's actually a lot of like equipment that you need you know to do like a yeah a show even though it's just a comedy show it's like oh yeah you do need like a you know mixer and and mic and everything and lights and all that kind of shit yeah that's another reason why I chose to work with them because they have everything already hell yeah um, because they they run events before oh, nice so really i am the cop the comedy expert like all i'm doing is bringing in talented comedians uh they've done all the other aspects for the most part before that's cool so they kind of have like a just production like a stage and stuff in-house there, yeah because they also have done weddings and and concerts and oh, things sick. of that nature so they have what it takes to produce something it's just making sure that thing fits making it as close to comedy feeling right because comedy clubs are typically intimate and tiny and small and so making sure that is there that's going to be where the challenge is but the it's funny doing even marketing for the show it's like very clear that their target audience is like 45 years old you know it's like wine you know just someone that's just sitting there casually watching the entertainment so it is a it's a totally different demo demo than what's at some of our other (laughs) shows and events and i'm sure you're kind of like forward thinking too like oh i know some comics that this is an environment will be you know kind of like perfect for Um, exactly and uh i i think about that like i remember because i had when i first started doing the XL show, I'd only been going to open mics for like six months and it was mainly in oh, Santa wow. Cruz. And so I didn't really know anybody at all. So I just had like the people that kind of around me doing the show. And then it, like, now I feel like I kind of know the flavor of so, like what the people in the bait, like come to the show, what they like, what they want to hear, you know? So kind of, I keep that in mind. So I, I, I like, I was just, yeah. When I was saw the, the venue and stuff like, just like you said, I'm like, I'm sure. Yeah. Like there's, there's definitely going to be like a certain vibe for that. And like, I, I imagine that, uh, you know, some younger dudes like myself, you know, aren't going to be like the, <laughs> they're going to necessarily like be the, <laughs> right. I mean, maybe you never know, but like, yeah. they're just like, not definitely not like the, not what they're expecting, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. And, and that's a good point you bring up because 
I think because because comedy is so vulnerable, like we're up there and we feel like we're putting ourselves out there. So any type of rejection feels horrible. And so if you're not getting booked on something, you could often think it's because of who you are or something when it has everything to do with the audience and what that audience requires. And that's what I know that's what they say about like if you're auditioning for acting roles, it's like they already have a picture. You just try and be you and see if that matches their picture. But um, typically they already had a plan in mind. And so at this show, it is a very specific audience. (laughs) and We want diversity, uh, but we also want to make sure that it's a successful show and we don't get too many complaints. Um, But but yes, that balance in comics, it's hard to communicate that sometimes to a comic. Yeah, uh, because, you know, they it's like you could be getting laughs and it's like, but why am I not? And but you have to consider that you're like, but I'm not for that, that that crowd, you know, or I'm not for or I'm not, you know, maybe I don't fit into the vibe or maybe that comic doesn't even know who I am that produces that show. There's so many people like it's like, yeah, so I like I remember when there was like the last right before the. Uh, pandemic or right, or maybe even before that was like the last Frascati open mic. There was like 90 comedians on the list. Oh my goodness. And I remember thinking like, there's 90 people that, <laughs> that do this. And then thinking like, there's way more than that. And then also this is only the Bay area. Yeah. There's that times. And I was like, it just it kept, I was like, Oh, there's so many people there's a dude. lot of us yeah <laughs> a lot of us and like... that's what we have to remind ourselves uh-huh yeah and yeah. one thing i i took away so have you heard of uh, the world series of comedy yes so i did that last year for the first time i just um uh, sent in the tape or whatnot and got to go to vegas and they have they have webinars and one of the guys was teaching he said the number one thing you want to do is figure out where you bring value and kind of manipulating that because there's so many of us that you're going to be booked based on the value that you bring. And early on, some places are straight up like the value you bring is if you can bring people to come, right? That's mm-hmm. that's a bringer show. Um, but then kind of identifying, at least for myself, what I noticed a couple of times was because of my positive demeanor, I bring value as a host. And so I've gotten booked consistently as a host simply because i have more value there than comics that might not have that lane um and just kind of noticing that and also noticing i think one time i went up at neck of the woods after zach and right we we kind of understand that the run the list of comics the first one is either the host or you know someone that's newer right and then it just kind of goes into experience that's a quote unquote club lineup is the first person has less experience than the like, last person. Like the standard basically. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not a, that's not a rule, but you, we kind of have that understanding. And so Zach went up before me and then I had to follow Zach. And one thing that I learned the moment I followed Zach was my comedy is way friendlier than his comedy because <laughs> <laughs> The whole room, man, the whole room was was on his vibrations. And they just laughed at some hella funny Holocaust joke. And then I come in with like this really positive shit. And they were like, 
bruh, get off the stage. This we want the gritty. We want we want something fucked up, dude. What are you talking about? Did you, did you just talk about Jesus Christ? No, get off. <laughs> get off. <laughs> and in that moment, I was like, oh shit. There's like I, I started to think I need to know who I'm following, what the room said at, and either purposely reshift the room, which some comics are really good at. Like, I think what I love watching Ryan Goodcase is he's going to bring the audience to his vibrations no matter what's happening before. Yeah, that's um, true. And, but I also realized I, I have edgy jokes. So in settings where it's like that, I need to scrap the host set because that's a different set than a later in the night set. And just knowing that and being ready for it. Like you, yeah, you just like uh, kind of switch modes, like, like it's like soft, soft host, Chris. You're like, <laughs> nah, man. You're like, <laughs> nah, not all the your, time. In your face. Yeah. In your yeah. face, Chris. <laughs> exactly. But it's also weird too, because um, I've noticed that if I'm working as a host, but I haven't been doing my host set, it's rusty. And I'll and all I have on the top of my mind are all my edge jokes, and then it's it sets the room totally. That's a totally different vibration than what the host <laughs> needs to bring. So it's this little dance and balance that uh, I'm trying to figure out more consistently how to have the positive host energy with some of my edgier jokes, which I haven't mastered that yet. But but we'll figure it out. That's funny, that's funny you mentioned that. This reminds me of um, this past week at the Blue Lagoon. I was up. And I was hosting and I was doing like the opening and was doing material and I kept going because I wasn't seeing they, they light me, you know, to like mm-hmm. bring up the next comic. Wasn't seeing the light. And I was like, just kept going. And I was like starting to like run out. I was like, man, I just feel like I'm running out of what's going on. And I realized like, I had been up there for like 10 minutes. Just like yeah. I was like, man, I just and I was trying to do like a like newer stuff in between like the like the normal like energy of a host like i was trying to just see if i had to get some laughs on the stuff then i just kept going on it It was like kind of darker material yeah and then i was just kept, i was like all right bring your first comic and it was just like i was like man fuck like yeah. I, I was like why did i but i just it's i never had that happen to me where like the i don't get the don't get the light and then i'm just mm-hmm. like the one waiting for it and i should have just been like i should have in my head it should have clicked like oh they're the light they're not like they didn't give it to you or something so you should just bring up the comic like i should have yeah. just made the decision to but yeah it was funny just like like waiting for it and i was like shit like i, <laughs> I was like I, like i started doing crowd work i'm like yeah <laughs> I, like, I even said i'm like are you guys gonna light me dude because like, <laughs> i just didn't know i was like i should have got off <laughs> that's hilarious i'm just laughing about it yeah yeah and that's what's funny is comedy is like well, while you're up there and it's not like uh, what's I don't know the best way to say it. just you you don't have a joke ready to go because you either use them all or the room is just dead and you're like I don't want to be up here anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I love watching comics the all the different ways people get off stage like <laughs> they all have these different moves and one time someone's like this would be a good time to light me <laughs> like that was <laughs> don't put it out there give me the light. All right, thank you. <laughs> it's like that's awesome. Uh, I like that. That is funny. <laughs> just <laughs> there's so many ways to get off stage and just waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, just find it, finding the way that works best for you because you can still get a laugh off off of that. And uh, I I know for me, I always just um, 
like I have a decent idea of how long I've been on stage based on what jokes I've said. And then once they're gone, it's like, okay, I must be right around this time. But that comes with reps. But yeah. Yeah. And and you're you're like uh or you or you can kind of see like the um the crowd sometimes too being like mm-hmm. they're kinda look at they're like looking off. As a telltale and sign. Like, and you're like you're like, yeah, people aren't really queuing in. Like, I open mics too. I kind of, if I, I'll cut my set early sometimes. If I'm like, yeah, people are just not vibing yeah. right now, and it, it that happens, dude. Like, it's like the audience just doesn't really. They just don't really. I'm not. I'm not. I didn't. I didn't grab their attention. I didn't get it. Like, I didn't. I didn't. Whatever I did, just didn't. You know, pull them yeah. into me. And that's that's huge. There, just even taking that ownership is like I. I must not have done something. Right. Because I know a lot of times we'll blame the the, the oh. audience, but that's huge. Just going, well, I guess I didn't hook them. Oh, well, let me get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's somebody said, I think I can't remember who said this. I heard Liz listening to a podcast once and somebody said that it's like it's just like taking a swing like at like golf or or like baseball at the cage, a batting cage or whatever, like a set. It's just like taking a swing. And like mm-hmm. sometimes you sometimes you connect. You know, and you crush it, and you knock it, and you like it's you a long ball, it. and you're like, "Fuck yeah!" and it's straight, and you're <laughs> like, "Dude!" And sometimes it's just like you whiff, and you just miss, and you're like, "Fuck!" Or you just like, <laughs> or you just slice it super hard, and like almost hit a, the other person at the driving range because you're yeah, it's a, it's a bad swing. You're like, "Wow, okay," like hundred <laughs> um, percent. I wanted to bring up as well i was looking through um your socials and stuff and i saw like that you also had or have a podcast uh that you do as well um with you have a co-host also for that i believe yeah yeah me and uh uh, richard tower richard tower um so yeah during the pandemic because you know everyone was going online and doing social things um the podcast kind of grew out of that but it actually started because of um, Ahmad Aubrey and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor's passings. That mm. um, I so my very first YouTube video that I produced that wasn't just me and my friends like shooting the shit. It was a poetry thing that I did way back in I think 2014 or something like that. And in three days, it hit 50,000 views, which Right now, we're so used to a lot of views, but back then, I was like, oh, my God, what? Wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was just Especially based, on YouTube, yeah. Yeah, I, I was mind blown. It got picked up by um, Upworthy, which was a, a blog back in the day. And I yeah. think they're still around, but but just so much competition. That's dope. Um, and so it was in the, the diversity space. So I always felt like I could I had a decent grasp on how to communicate things. And a buddy of mine just he just reached out. I was like, "Hey, I, I want to talk about this because he's one generation above me, and his experience on how race was talked about was totally different from how it was for me." So we just started talking on the podcast, and we named it "Imperfect Allies" because, like, I, I know I'm in California, but out here the liberalism is has an era of perfection in it that I think is a little toxic. And so we definitely wanted to focus on the fact that we're gonna fuck up, like. I mean, uh, there's so many stupid, ignorant things that I've said on that podcast. And maybe five episodes later, we're like, oh, shit, we were wrong. 
like we we did more research like okay this is this is a different angle on it that we didn't have and we just found it really beneficial because for me it keeps me level-headed right like as a comic most of us are you know kind of uh, contrarians we don't get caught up in all of the left and right but but we can and we see people play to the rooms and you have to do that especially in santa cruz boy whoo I've had to I've had to learn to play to the rooms in Santa Cruz sometimes. Um, oh yeah, and and then play against it as I've gotten more comfortable. But the podcast helps us just look at both sides and and question both sides and talk about it just openly and be able to say some fucked up shit on accident. But it's like this is where I'm at when I'm learning this, and oh now I learn more and having that journey online I think helps other people who might have thought the same shit. It's kind well, of. It sounds like too. It's a a chance to explore like a you know a different lane, and a different you know something that's personal and also a different lane that's not necessarily trying to be you know funny or like uh, yeah entertaining. It can be entertaining, but not that's not the intent. You know, like you're you're trying to you know learn and inform and and like you know and and just in in like bring not bring bring awareness to stuff that um, and things. You know, like I think that. I think that's awesome, and like I, I, uh, I, I didn't know that this was a a thing until, um, until today. You know, when I was diving in, so I'm excited to to like I see you guys have like quite a bit of episodes too. Um, I was gonna start checking it out, you know, and like there's definitely some episodes that I was like scrolling through. I was like, oh, I didn't. Even, I was like, oh, this, you know, could be interesting. Like, uh, and where where can people listen to this at? Is it like is it on is it on Apple? Is it on Spotify and stuff? Yeah, it's on all the other platforms, uh, just um, Imperfect Allies, or you can go to the website, theimperfectallies.com. Um, and it's, man, we, we, we've tackled a few different random stuff. I think my favorite episode, which is kind of niche, but uh, we talked to an Aboriginal. And so we were just really trying to understand what Western culture looks like. So we had to talk to someone that has like the opposite, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? So to really be able to see ourselves. And just learning what it's like in his culture, which is a non, um, what is it? What do you call it? Where we read? I don't know. They don't read. They 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 don't have an alphabet. That's what it is. They're a pictorial language. And so just even understanding the differences of that, right? How do they learn information yeah. versus how we learn information? We read everything, which fundamentally rewires your brain in a different way than theirs is. Um, and all their information, though, is shared like this talking like you learn something because someone shared that information with you which has another emotional relationship with it and then there's like a hierarchy to that i imagine too 100 percent. you gotta talk to the the um i forgot they're called elders but there's different stages to the elders and this gentleman that we spoke with i think he's maybe 40 but he's a child in his culture based on his information so oh whoa based on his information yeah based on the stories that he knows and the things that he has because you also because things aren't written down it has to be here you have to know the information not access it and so mm-hmm. his knowledge in his culture is he's a child and there are Damn. elders that are elders and his elders because he has to go to them to know what <laughs> the information is so it's also another level of respect for your elders, which kind of can get lost. I here. think it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like a, 
it's more of more of a level than respect it's like you you want to protect like you have to feel the need to protect them and stuff yeah. like it's just that's such a different wow it's just such a different like uh everything it's it's I can't. Eat, I can't. I'm trying to think about and relate, and I'm. I keep it's going hard. back to the first thing that you said, and I'm like, yeah, I'd have to. There's. No, it's just hard. It's like, yeah, there's no way to really under. Like, it's just completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was cool interviewing him because I was so worried that we weren't going to be able to relate, but because he is, um, I guess the best way to say is bilingual. His, who I, I don't remember who in his family wanted him to learn how to read and write. So he's learned how to read and write and all those things. And so he walks in both worlds, technically. Mm. And uh, the aboriginals call him the, what did, uh, he's the something, oh, settler whisperer. That's what they call him because he whispers to settlers. <laughs> and so, um, he, in which he doesn't know if it's derogatory or not. He can't tell if there's shit in mom. <laughs> Like, oh yeah, the settler whisper. Go talk. That to is so vague, too. Yeah, you were like, good or bad? And they're like, <laughs> we'll see. That's we so will funny. see. Oh man. But he he actually loves comedy, and so while we were talking, he would just randomly spit off a Eddie Murphy bit that he remembered, and then another like. So he has all these stories from all over the place, and uh, he grew up watching a lot of 80s comedy uh in early 90s and so uh, we had so much in common at the same time of having nothing in common and it was it was so cool yeah that is that is interesting like i i uh i'm trying to think of like the only time that i can say that i've experienced that and i had a a foreign exchange student live with us in college it was from taiwan and he was he was 29 and we were, I was 19. So like, and he, he worked for HP, but he was trying to learn English. Mm-hmm. So he was like, you know, full like computer tech. Like he just was like super smart. Like, but like the, the bear, like the bear, and it, it was cool to see over the, over time, like those, those three or four months, the quarter that he was what with he us, picked up? what he picked up. And then also like the ability to talk more. Like I got to learn, like right at the end, I was like really starting to like learn like about his, about him and just get to know oh, him. Yeah. And, uh, it was just like, we, he had never had, uh, like like Taco Bell or had never seen mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. And we did both of those things on one, the same day. Like we watched <laughs> the Super Bowl and had Taco Bell. And I remember him just sitting and being like, looking around and we're just like, yeah, dude. Like he was just like, he's like, this is just, this is the most American thing. He's just like America. He kept saying America. Cause he's just like, <laughs> he's just like, he's he, like shaking in. his head at you guys. He's just like, this is, yeah. And it was. <laughs> that's funny i was just thinking of like the only time that you know like it's to 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 really get to know like and understand somebody else's like just as a different like his perspective on things and and just like it was yeah it was just it's just so interesting to like be able to learn learn yourself through them too like you said and uh and to and to be like yeah wow like he's there's some things that you're kind of like oh like like i (laughs) I do. I do that. Like I am that. When you hear like the stereotype or like what the like that is me. I am. I fall into that category. Like damn it. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, and I think it. The whole podcast really shapes my worldview on on everything. Is I I think diversity is really cool because someone else's perspective can shed a light on you. And I like 
I like talking about diversity in unique ways because that's basically how I see it. Like I love that all the different cultures we have have totally different perspectives and, you know, assimilation, segregation, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's how we're interacting with each other on any given basis or any given day. And all of it is interesting. Uh, I, I know that there can be some things that we say are quote unquote are bad or malicious, but I, I think it's, it's just different cultures clashing and, um i i find it really entertaining i'm working on a premise right now that um in santa cruz it's fun it's it, that's the best place to see how i'm uh, developing it but it's about my cousin who's transgender and um my perspective is what i think is true it's like i was uncomfortable with his transition but what was more interesting to me was once he became a man he was actually really cool. <laughs> like, but before I didn't like him. And so mm. I was, I like playing with the idea of just, do I have a problem with the transgender community or do I have a problem because I found out I'm sexist now? Like, Oh, I just don't like women. I don't like talking to women, but now that you're a man, you're the coolest person ever. Mm-hmm. And that, that uncomfortable reality of like, Oh, this thing does make me uncomfortable. Let's come up with some reasons why. I I only would go there because on the podcast, I'm allowed to have uncomfortable conversations and then three episodes later, right those wrongs. And I think we don't, we don't really have avenues or people don't really allow you to do that as much nowadays. People just get upset, but um, we we're doing that every day. We tell a joke, it bombs. We learn from it. We rewrite it. We tell it again. It, It doesn't mean that we have to drop our opinion, but we do have to come at it from a different angle. Or at least take a step back and go, is that like a, is that a good positive way to think about this? Or is it a negative like way to, are you being, are you being kind of hateful? Are you being like, Mm, yeah, like your, is your intent negative? You know, are you trying to like shame or put down or are you trying to like learn or evolve from it? Like, like the, I've had instances like what you just mentioned too, that have revealed some things about myself where I'm like, damn, like is that what I think about this? Mm. Like, where did that come from? You know, like, and then a lot of it, you know, could be traced back to, I heard it or that's what I, that's all I know about this. And it's like, Oh damn, I need to know more about this. I need to experience more about this and go out there and like learn. Cause I moved from Washington state to California and like Washington state where I was from specifically Mm -hmm. is very, very fucking white. Like there is a, shit ton of white people there a lot like <laughs> my high school was like 81 percent white or some shit like that oh, wow. like it yeah. was like fucking like and so when i moved here like right away what i noticed was like oh whoa like this is it's not like that here like and yeah. it wasn't and like i had like i didn't have i didn't have like a negative feeling but i was like that was like Something of just like, oh, I feel like I feel different, but I don't know mm-hmm. why I feel different. And it's like, oh, I've never spent a lot of time outside of like groups of, of white people my whole life. And there was no like and it wasn't anything. It wasn't on purpose or it wasn't. Yeah, you just don't have do. a framework. And it was just like the it was where I, it was like the demographic I was raised in and like just how like the culture was or whatever. I mm-hmm. don't know. And so like, yeah, the past like five years of living and working in Salinas and like living in like going to Santa Cruz and seeing the juxtaposition in Santa Cruz versus Salinas itself and seeing those kind of like, it's not even really like, I don't know if it's, it's not like a, it's not like a division. It's just like a location thing, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and and it's just, 
yeah, like like what you're saying, like and just being able to like maybe ha- learn from those things and learn stuff about myself, like and have conversations with people where they point things out where I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't. That's not even. Uh, you're like, I don't think like I don't think like that. Like you really, I'm not like you know. You're like you're, you're like that's just you're like oh shit like that's just what was that's like what was said or that's what was okay yeah like it's not that was okay. the normal you were yeah. in before right mm-hmm. it's even so i grew up in a very diverse uh part of uh dallas texas but um it was funny moving here because i i lived in a neighborhood where it was an extremely um uh present vietnamese culture and so i felt like you know, I felt pretty diverse and uh, pretty open and accepting. And then moving here where it's very like all different forms of Asian are in California, but it's a, like the population is so much greater than when I was used to that I had to sit back and go, oh, oh whoa, this is totally different b- versions of diversity. Right. And mm-hmm. um, even joking with a couple of my friends who are Filipino, I'm like, I had never met a Filipino before. You know, like, they're like, what? It's like, yeah, I'm, that's the, I, I, there's Asian people. This is not Filipinos in, mm-hmm. in the neighborhood that I grew up in. And to me, I think that's funny because if we don't recognize that all these places are vastly different, like every little neighborhood, every pocket is different then we will kind of just force everyone to assume we're all the same. And it's not, it's not even close to the case. Or you do that yourself and kind of just assume things about that, about certain areas, you know, like you're like, I kind of like subconsciously, you know, you just, you're like, Oh, like, because of there's there's people like this the dominant it seems like the, the domin- area, yeah. uh, dominance of this piece is a certain demographic you're like okay it must be like this it's like no like everywhere is everywhere is so different and unique and like i've gotten to meet and meet and like meet so many cool people and different like just different people in california that i never would have met if i would have just yeah. you know stayed and lived in the area i was in and like yeah it's just the experience and like the knowledge of like what other cultures think about white people. Like, like dude, I've like getting roasted for being white is like something that like, I like had to like, I just didn't really, it didn't really oh, happen. Man. And it was like, I, I was like, damn, like, okay. Yeah, that's true. Like that is, a, that is, yep. Like, fuck. Like, that's <laughs> you're like, damn dude. Like, that's a funny, it's just, it's yeah. Cause it's like, Oh man, like getting made fun of for, yeah, for just being like a white boy is like such an interesting like thing, and it's just like I mean, yeah, it's it's true. It's true, so you have to eat it. But you're like, <laughs> you're like, damn, okay, yeah, like uh, I'm not gonna fire, like not gonna fire back. Like I'm yeah. just like, all right, like yeah, like uh, it is it is an interesting thing to like to have not have as much of, or to not be like put on blast like that as much growing up, and then like I've been made fun of for other things, you know, obviously yeah. and, like bullied and stuff. But yeah, just like. It is a it is an interesting thing, like to. Oh, this is here like, too. Oh. Yeah, you're like, oh, okay, ow, like, okay, but like, ow, like, <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. I, yeah, because in my community, man, that's white. White is a punchline for at least a billion jokes. I got tons of them. Punchline, white boy. Yeah, that's it. Oh, I make fun of my white friends for being white back home, and you should do it. It's like so funny. Like they, like yeah. it's, it's like a thing where and this is a ridiculous conversation, by the way. Honestly, like I, I just it's just my perspective. But like, uh, yeah. yeah, like the they stop for a second, just like me, and they're like, oh yeah, damn, I, I do that. Like, 
<laughs> shit. <laughs> that's so funny. And that's just, a better response than out. yeah, it's a better response than to just like go on the offensive and be like, no, and then you're like, shut, like I'm kidding, shut up, like, but yeah. still, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a, I love Salinas and love the the like the community that I've like gotten to gotten to know and like uh same with like i feel like it's so different too going to like the bay area the bay area is so much more just like uh diverse like everybody like there's just it's like it's like such a melting pot of just like everything like at those mics and shows like i feel like the the comedy you get like you can learn about the you know just the point of views it's like yeah really cool it's like what one of the reasons i love doing comedy too it's just like hearing all these different like perspectives and stuff. You're like, damn, like like this is, like it just makes you think and it humbles the shit out of you too. Yeah, and that's kind of our job is to you know at least identify or narrow down our our perspectives and you know distill them into jokes. Right, they have to be funny, but you know being able to see whatever angle you have. Like I I already know my perspective on life is very optimistic, and so you can put the worst things in front of me and I'm going to, I'm going to shift them into positives. I don't care what it is. And uh, that's my point of view. And some people might find it insensitive, but it's just, that's how I operate throughout the world. And um, everyone has different ones. And as comics, our job is to just figure that out and share it and be funny. That's, that is. Yeah. Well, hey, man, this is this has been really awesome. Actually, I'm really glad that we got to sit down and, and actually do this, you know, uh, like I said earlier. And uh, yeah. um, where can people, because I know you're, this will have come out, I think, after the this weekend. So um, people have already seen you in Salinas at the Bricks and Beer. But uh, where can people follow you and what do you have coming up like in the next uh, like couple months for shows and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um... You can follow me on really all social media platforms at just Chris Beasley and all my shows are posted at just Chris Um, I let's see, I will be at comedy edge in Oakland next week and bouncing all over the place. You catch me at Alameda, sometimes even at the improv, um, but social media is where I'm at the most. So come hang out and reach out to me and i'm down to chill talk i'm also on the hot breath podcast every now and then it's a great community of comics and so come in there and say what's up it's a good spot as well oh yeah chilling (laughs) hell yeah man thank you thank you so much thanks michael man this is awesome and shout out to you because you said that you weren't like before the pandemic you weren't really outgoing but i that's not the person i've met so it's like oh that's really (laughs) crazy to hear that um yeah i think it's been i think it's been doing this this every week with somebody and also just just comedy man just like actually going and doing like different mics and stuff it's like i've just gotten over like a lot of i think i've gotten over a lot of like insecurity about myself and like not not care about it yeah and then uh yeah and like just kind of the i was like just have like social uh anxiety sometimes too so i feel like just comedy helps with that like like if i talk to everybody at once then when someone comes up to me you know it doesn't it doesn't feel as weird like yeah. so i already i've already i feel like i've already talked to everyone so it's you like, did the like, weirdest thing already you were on stage <laughs> <laughs> talking to a room of people about you for no reason <laughs> they didn't for no reason like, yeah 
It's like, who is this? Why are we here? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, no, I appreciate Perfect. you saying that, man. Thank you. Of course, got to give you your flowers, brother. <laughs> we'll keep it up. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Please make sure to like and subscribe on any platform you're on right now and head over to Instagram or Facebook. Give the page at I'm Getting There Pod a follow to continue to stay updated on this. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>